want to learn how to manage your own investments? Are you ready to stop paying investment management fees and start building wealth? The DIY Investing Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, and resources you need to be a better investor. Learn how to make investments through the use of fundamental analysis, mental models, and business management insights. Now, here's your host, value investing expert, Trey Henninger. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Henniger and I'm your host. In today's episode, I will be discussing how to buy illiquid stocks. Specifically, I want to go over the purchasing process that I go through and how I think about adjusting buy prices during this time. Before I get started, I want to make a short request. If you haven't already, please consider giving this podcast a rating and review. Simply hit pause in your podcast player or after the podcast, rate the podcast in your podcast player, whether it's the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or any other app that you may be using. I would really appreciate it. Your ratings and reviews help me to grow the podcast audience and help more people. If you're listening to this show on YouTube, consider liking and subscribing to the show so that you will continue to get updates to the show. Thank you for your support. So let's dive right in. When you're buying illiquid stocks, it might not be a process that you're used to for the normal investor. Most investors purchase stocks that are very liquid. This means that it's very easy to instantly buy your entire position in the company and instantly sell your entire position in the company without affecting the stock price. However, when you buy illiquid stocks, additional challenges present themselves. Because an illiquid stock is a stock that for you, it is difficult for you to purchase your entire position in one day without moving the stock price. That's why I'm defining what an illiquid stock is. So liquid stock is something you can purchase um, your entire position. Let's say that's 5% of your portfolio or 10% of your portfolio or 20% of your portfolio. And you can put all the money you want to put into that stock in a single day. So whether that's $500, $5,000, $50,000, or a million dollars, it doesn't matter. The key thing is that for everyone, what's liquid and illiquid will be different. So you need to look at your companies and look at your stocks and consider, can you buy and sell your position in that company in a single day? Or does it take longer than a single day based upon the normal average trading volume. And there's a very easy way to do this. You can go to your broker and you can just select your company. So for instance, I'm going to select um, Berkshire Hathaway and I'm gonna just open it up and see what the average daily trading volume is. So the average daily trading volume for Berkshire Hathaway is 3.8 million shares per day. And since each share is trading at around $200 a share right now. We're talking about a daily liquidity in Berkshire Hathaway of about $760 million. So that means for most people, you can buy, basically everyone can buy their entire Berkshire Hathaway position in a single day and sell it in a single day without really having an issue. 
But instead, if you were to go to another company, you might find smaller companies that have much smaller average daily trading volumes. So I'm going to go to a company that I own and one of the companies that I own has an average daily trading volume of five shares per day. So this would be the 90 day average volume. And that means that on an average day, if you average it across all 90 days, only five shares are traded each day. What that means is that you're able to have much fewer shares available on any given day to trade. And on most days, no tra- shares trade at all. Because what that average really means is that your average day, your most days, zero shares trade. And then every once in a while, maybe 100 shares trade or 20 shares trade or something like that. And it averages out across 90 days to equal a five share per day average. So this would be an illiquid stock. Now, that would be a liquid for almost everybody, but you might have other stocks that share that trade maybe 1,000 shares per day. So if you have 1,000 shares traded per day and the stock is $50, then that's a $50,000 trade in a single day. So for some of you, that's going to be liquid, and some of you, it's not going to be liquid. And I think it really depends, again, on how much money you're putting into a stock. If $50,000 trade each day and you only put $5,000 into each of your stocks, then that's a liquid stock for you. You should be able to get buy-in and sell out without affecting the share price um, without much problem. But what I'm trying to focus on today are those illiquid stocks, the stocks that have very low trading volume relative to the amount of shares that you want to own. So going back to the example of the company that I mentioned before that has an average trading volume of five shares per day, I currently own over 100 shares in that company. That means that my portfolio, as it sits now, is worth over 20 days worth of trading volume. So it would take me at least 20 days in a normal situation to sell all those shares. Now, it won't actually take me 20 days. It could take much shorter, or it could take much longer than that, depending upon the price that I'm willing to accept and the tactics that I use to sell my position. The same is true on the buy side. And I want to walk through some of those tactics and some of the challenges that you go through when buying and selling illiquid stocks. Because I think illiquid stocks present a very attractive risk-reward perspective for most investors. Because when you look at it, you can have very low risk in an illiquid stock and much higher reward for the same amount of risk. And so when you compare this to a liquid stock, you're basically trading off that liquidity for greater potential returns and lower risk. But it means that you don't have as much liquidity, which means as an individual investor, you need to find ways to manage that. You need to find ways to understand how that affects your strategy and what those challenges might be. So I have identified three key challenges that your buying process needs to be focused on overcoming when you're purchasing illiquid stocks. And I consider those challenges threefold. First, the first challenge is acquiring a full position size. So if the stock is a liquid, it can be difficult for you to buy all the shares you want. It might take many days, it might take many weeks, and it might take months or years to fill your position. 
Now, for most people, it's not going to take years. And in most situations, this might just be a multi-day or multi-week process. But sometimes you get into the months and that can present an issue for people. The second challenge is not pushing the stock price up too far. So a lot of times liquidity is driven in large part by the price of that stocks are currently trading. In some cases, if stocks were to drop a lot in price, liquidity would change. And in other cases, if stocks were to rise a lot in price, the liquidity portfolio would change. And this is quite common. You know, if the stock price goes up a lot, you might have a lot of willing sellers that are now willing to relinquish their position to you. But as a value investor, you don't want to pay up for every stock that you're buying. And most importantly, you don't want to push the stock price up too far because that can cause you to lose your advantage in having found this idea. There are a lot of investors that pay attention to companies that have large price changes on higher than average volume because it means someone is coming into the position with more size than the average investor. And in illiquid stocks, this is likely to happen with you if you aren't careful. So you need to be careful about that because by trying to purchase stocks and push the price up, you're going to bring in competition for acquiring additional shares. This is going to put the company on the map where before it might have been overlooked. And the third challenge really with illiquid stocks and trying to buy them is managing your personal impatience and bias towards action. So This is now a behavioral issue and less a portfolio allocation issue, but the behavioral issues in personal finance and investing are key. The way you behave and the way you manage your emotions will affect your ultimate portfolio return. So you need to be careful at understanding how you're going to behave when trying to buy an illiquid stock. If you're like me, and especially if you're like me a few years ago, what I like to do was buy all of my position as soon as I decided I wanted to buy a stock. So let's say I identified that I want to buy Apple. Well, as soon as I've made that decision in my head that I want to be an owner of Apple shares, I immediately want to make that purchase. I want to pull up my stock brokerage account, go in, type in the order, make the purchase, and own the shares. Well, the easiest way to do that with a company like Apple that's very liquid is you just go in, you put in a market order, and you say, yes, I want to buy 10 shares of Apple or 100 shares of Apple, and bam, it's done. And within 10 seconds, you can get instantaneous gratification that you now own shares in Apple. You've made a decision, you've made a purchase, and now you're an owner in that company. Now, this can be very rewarding to the pleasure centers of your brain when you're buying companies in the liquid in liquid companies but it can be very damaging to you if you do this same process for buying illiquid stocks so that's what we're going to work through so let's work to talk a little bit more about these challenges so your first challenge that you really need to understand in depth is this acquiring of a full position size and I don't think I have a silver bullet here for solving how to acquire a full position size. 
in large part because your goal should not be to always acquire a full position in every stock that you're trying to buy. Your goal should be to acquire a full position in stocks that you are able to buy without paying too much. And I think this is where you know this number one and number two really go together in that you need to be okay that some stocks you're not going to be able to buy. It needs to be acceptable to you on an intellectual and emotional basis that you're going to have some companies get away from you and that you're not going to be the only one with the idea that this stock is undervalued. So for instance, I like to have 20% of my portfolio in each company is my ideal state. Now I've still not managed to do that because in some cases I've not been able to acquire the full position size that I would like. But it means that on my way to acquiring a 20% position, I might acquire a 5% position or a 10% position. And that's an acceptable outcome when you found a good company. If you found a good company at a good price, but the stock price starts rising as you're buying and it just gets away from you, it's okay that you didn't fill your full position size. You, you can accept being stuck with a smaller position as long as that position is still meaningful. So, I mean, I'm not talking about a 1% or a half percent position. I'm talking about, you know, if you have a 5 or 10% position um, or a 3% position, depending upon how many companies you're trying to own. For instance, if you had, if you're trying to have a 20 stock portfolio with 5% each, if you had a 2 or 3% position, that's still meaningful. It's half your full position size. Um, but you want to avoid having companies that you're stuck with half a percent or a percent in because you're going to put too much mental effort into thinking about those companies in the future once you own them and it's not going to match the amount of money you've invested in that company so you really want to make sure that you're matching the mind share that you have about your stocks with the dollar share that you have about your stocks so you should absolutely attempt to acquire a full position, but you shouldn't be discouraged if you still acquire a decent-sized position in those companies you're attempting to do. But again, it's a challenge because you can't control what other investors are going to do. You can only control the tactics that you apply. And one of the ways that I manage trying to acquire my full position is I like to put in stock orders for the full size of my position instead of buying in incremental amounts. Now, that doesn't mean that my full position will be bought out at any one time, but let's say I want to acquire 500 shares of a stock. Then what I'd like to do is place an order for 500 shares, a limit order, not a market order, and this is key because the market order means you're willing to pay whatever price the market is offering for those shares, which you can get caught with very high prices if you put in market orders on liquid sto- illiquid stocks. So never use market orders on liquid stocks, on illiquid stocks, sorry. You should always be using limit orders because that limits the price that you're willing to pay. And what I like to do is I'd like to then put in and say, okay, even if the average daily trading volume is 10 or 20 shares, but I want 500, 
I'm going to put in an order for 500 shares because what I'm doing is I'm telling the market that I'm interested in 500 shares. Now, this can go against you because then there might be some people that say, hey, there's a big buyer out there. They want to acquire a lot of shares. I'm not going to sell to them at a low price. But what it can also do is it can also signal to sellers that want to get out of their position that if they come down in price a bit, they could eliminate their whole position. So it might take them normally a month or two months to exit their position. You know, let's say you have a seller that has 2,000 shares. Well, they're having to sell five shares here, 10 shares there, and it can take them a very long time to exit. But if you offer them an exit of 500 shares at once, there's a chance they might take it because they see that liquidity is much higher than normal and they can use your purchase liquidity as a good exit liquidity for them. So the fact that you are buying a large amount of shares can actually offer you lower prices because you're acting as a liquidity provider to the market. And this is basically what market makers do in much more liquid stocks. They're providing that liquidity at any price that people want to sell, and then they're able to make some money off that. And so you're able to provide the liquidity for low liquidity stocks, and that can make a difference for you. The other key piece here is, again, one of our challenges was not pushing the stock price up too far. And so really the way I like to think about it is that too far is defined as being beyond the purchase price that provides you with a sufficient margin of safety. So let's say we have a company. You've identified it. It has a trading price of $50 per share. But you think the intrinsic value is $100 per share. Well, you have a very good margin of safety there, but with the difference between $150. That's a 50% margin of safety. But that's a very, you know, that might be a bigger margin of safety than you need. You know, Benjamin Graham used to recommend that you have a margin of safety of 35%. So if you thought the intrinsic value was $100 per share, then you should be willing um, to potentially buy that company at up to $65 per share. And that gives you that, you know, two, th- you know, one third or two thirds, um, that 35% of cushion between you and the, the, the intrinsic value price. So what does that mean? If it's trading at $50 per share, though, that means that you're willing to buy it up to $65 per share because that still allows you to get the required margin of safety that you need. You should not be stuck on the price of the last trading price. And what I mean here is that just because the stock most recently traded at that $50 per share does not mean that you are limited to that. For instance, if someone is offering... Um, to give you a whole, you know, your whole position size at $53 per share. That should be an attractive offer for you because you've identified the intrinsic value at $100 per share. It's okay to take out their entire ask offer, their offer to sell. If you need 500 shares and they offer all 500 to you at that price of $53 per share, that could be a good value for you because now you've eliminated the risk that the stock price is pushed up past your margin of safety point. But what you have done is you've accepted the risk of pushing the price up 6% in a day in order to take out those shares. But 
you don't necessarily want to always do that. You need to look and manage and study how the market has been trading around these prices because you might be able to get a better deal. And this is what I like to do. So on my initial purchase attempt, again, I'm going to put in a trade offer for the entire amount of shares that I want to buy at the price that is available. So I'm going to start by putting in a bid and this bid is going to be a limit order for either the current bid or the most recent trading price. So the current bid is what other people are offering to buy the stock for. So let's use our example of the stock is at $50 per share as the last trading price. Well, the bid might be at $45 per share. The ask might be at $55 per share, but the last trading price was 50. Well, I could either put in my whole offer for 500 shares at $40, $5 per share, or potentially at $50 per share. But what I want to do is I want to make sure that my price is at least as high as the last bid. So that means I need to go at least $45, but I might go $46. And this way I'm showing I'm the new best offer. And I'm showing that I have liquidity available to help people exit. So if the bid has been periodically been taken out, so this is where you'd want to watch how the stock's been trading. Is it been trading at the ask or has it been trading at the bid? And this is something that you would be able to observe after you've made your decision to buy. You can start to study how the previous month of trading days have gone. And this isn't going to be as hard as you think because you can find this information available either through your broker or if it's a small company on OTC markets, you can see some of the last trades that have been offered and you'll be able to see, you know, where on the bid ask spread people are making their trades. So what you'd want to do then is if they're trading a lot at the bid, which means their sellers are providing liquidity, then you'd probably want to beat or match the current bid. So here I'd probably offer $46 and I might want to see if someone is willing to lower the price to hit my bid. And this now offers me the ability to be the new provider of liquidity. Any shares that are going to be sold now have to be sold to me because no one's offering higher than me. And then I'm going to monitor it over time and see, okay, is someone then beating my bid to try and take that new spot? And that's okay. If someone offers a higher price, shares still aren't going out, you can raise your bid up until the point you're going above and beyond the last trading price. Because what I like to do is I don't want to raise the price of the stock when I'm filling my liquidity. So let's say again, if the bid had been um, at that $500 or at the uh, $50 per share, I'm going to match that bid. I'm not going to go above it because I don't want to raise the price. I'm going to just match it. And I'm going to provide my liquidity as part of that liquid that pre- other person's bid. And we're going to put in our limit order at buy 500 shares at $50 a share. And that will be the range in which we're going to try and buy. Now, after I've done that, after I've put in my bid, I'm not just going to study the trading history. I'm going to also look at the ask price. I'm going to study what is being offered. And here it matters a lot on how many shares are being offered. So in my example here, I've been talking about the ask price is $55. So this is 10% above 
the previous trading price. Now, this might sound like a lot for those who are vested primarily in liquid companies, and it is, but it's not uncommon for illiquid companies for the bid-ask spread to be 5, 10, 15% between the offer of by the seller and the offer by the buyer. So if that $55 price, they're offering one share, well, that doesn't really mean anything to me. All that means is that there's not a that there's someone offering a single share. They're not really providing any liquidity that would be valuable to me. So I'm not going to go after that price. Now, if they're offering ten shares, that's still not meaningful. I'm trying to purchase five hundred, so I'm not going to raise the price by ten percent just to fill two percent of my position. But again, we need to. This is all in reference to an intrinsic value price of $100 a share. So just because if you're able to buy the share at $55, that's going to be a valuable price for you. But, and you'll probably work out well, but now you've made it more likely you're going to have to pay $55 a share for all of your shares, or maybe even more than that, because maybe you take that out and now the offer is at $60 a share. And you have to now buy at 60 in order to get more shares. And you have to buy at 65 and you kind of work your way up because more people are coming into the market, more people are bidding up the stock. That's what you're trying to avoid. So you need to be patient. You need to be willing to set this stock price, set your limit order, and let it sit for days, weeks, months, as long as it needs to while you study the ask and see if the offers are changing. If people end up selling to you at your price, then fine. You, you're, you're filling some of your position, and that's going to lower it down. So maybe, you know, over the course of a few weeks, you've been able to sell, you know, be able to buy a hundred of your five hundred shares. So now you still have four hundred shares outstanding at that price. You're still sitting at fifty dollars a share. You're acquiring shares slowly over time. Things are going well. But now you're only at twenty percent of your target. Per- position. You're not at your full portfolio size. You're still trying to gain that full portfolio size. So what you're really looking for is those other people that will provide you with the liquidity you need. So let's say you've been doing this for weeks and you know no one's gone in there and taken you out in your position because you want to give it some time. Um, you need to determine if there are any motivated large sellers in the market. And the only way to do that is to put your offer out there and see if they take you out. Because you're going to make more money if you let the sellers take your bid price than you crossing the spread to take their ask. So you need to be patient and allow them time for that to happen. And that should be at least probably a week or two where you consider whether that's going to happen or not. Now, there's general guidance. This is kind of just the stuff I've worked through and how I've learned it. Obviously, the way you need to do it is going to be a little different, but you just need to judge for yourself how your trades are going. But what I'm going to be on the lookout for is I'm going to be on the lookout for that ask price and the number of shares that are being traded there to go up significantly. Not the price itself, but the number of shares. So, you know, if I've sold a hundred, if I've been able to buy a hundred of my five hundred shares, and I'm sitting there with a, a purchase offer for four hundred shares still, but then I see someone willing to sell four hundred, a thousand shares, at the ask price, 
I'm going to start to think whether it's worth it for me to just not take it out and fill my whole position. If I've been sitting on this stock, I like the stock, I'm buying some shares slowly over time, um, or maybe I'm not buying any shares because they're not being offered to me, but then someone offers the entire position that I want, it's going to be something that I would highly consider taking that full offer. And I would take that full offer if I can fill my full position size with it. I'm not going to try and jump it if I can't fill my full position size. But if I can take all 400 shares that I need or all 500 shares that I need by jumping up to the ask price, and that represents, let's say, two months of trading volume. Well, I can get two months of trading volume in one day, and it locks in my purchase price, and it lowers my risk of not buying the stock before it rises. And while this is not something you typically want to do with a liquid stock where you're trying to push the stock price up, this is something that can be very valuable if you have a large enough margin of safety. So again, this is all around, let's say, that $55 price is what's being offered. And I can fill my whole position at $55. There's no reason I should be averse to doing that if I truly believe the intrinsic value of the company is $100 per share. Because if I'm right, and my fundamental analysis is right, then I'm going to make a lot of money whether I own the stock at $50 a share or $55 a share. But I'm going to make no money if I don't own the stock at all. Meanwhile, if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter what I thought the intrinsic value is because I'm likely to lose money or not do as well. But I'm still buying under my margin of safety and that protects me if I'm wrong because I'm still buying at less than $65 a share. The problem that people have is that there's a behavioral bias where you get stuck on what the previous stock trading price was and think that's the price you have to buy at. And that's not true. That's what someone was able to buy one share at. That's all the last trading price shows is what one share at least was traded at. And what matters to you in illiquid stocks is not what one share trades at, but what at enough shares can trade at to fill or sell your whole position. And if that price is $55 a share, your margin of safety cutoff is $65 a share, and your intrinsic value is $100 per share, then that's a good deal. And I've seen that in mind where there have been times where I have identified a stock at a low price at similar percentage changes than this, and I've been willing to move the stock price to fill my whole position because what that does is that locks in the return for me at a reasonable risk tolerance level. And the key is that by doing that, I'm avoiding the behavioral bias of fixating on a price and fixating on what has been offered to one buyer in the past that's not being offered to me today. Because as a large buyer in an illiquid market, which is any time you're buying more than a day's liquidity, you need to focus less on the individual stock price and you need to focus more on acquiring your full position size while not pushing the stock price up until you can acquire that full position all at once. And this is where it's key for you to manage your personal impatience and bias towards action because it's going to be very tempting to always push out that buy price 
or the, the ask price. Someone's offering 10 shares here. You want to take it. Someone's offering 50 shares here. You want to take it. And these numbers can be higher. You know, judge it based upon, you know, what the portfolio is that you're managing. But understand that when you are a large buyer in a small market, you need to be careful and you need to be okay with taking a long time to acquire your shares. It took me months to acquire some of my positions. It took me weeks to acquire other positions. But usually all of those times have culminated in a single day where I can take out 50% or more of the total shares I've bought over those months in a single day. So we're talking about times where I can buy 100 shares when the daily average trading volume is only five or 200 shares. So I might buy a month or two's worth of volume in a single day because I'm clearly managing how I'm tactically purchasing and watching the market. So I hope this is helpful to you. I know that not everyone is interested in buying illiquid stocks, but there is a market of you out there that are interested in illiquid stocks. For those of you that are interested in illiquid stocks, you need to manage your behavioral instincts and how you buy these companies. And you should be interested in filling your full position size while not pushing the stock price too high. So thank you for listening to this show. The full show notes for this episode, including my outline for today's podcast, are available at DIYinvesting.org slash episode 53. Finally, this is a listener-supported podcast. If you've gained value from today's content, please consider supporting the show. You can do so financially as a patron at DIYinvesting.org slash patron, or you can do so with your free support by simply providing me with a rating and review in your podcast player or clicking the like and subscribe button on YouTube. Thank you for listening. And until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth. Thank you for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast. Please visit our website and subscribe to our email list at DIYinvesting.org for guides, videos, and resources to help make you a better investor. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors. DIY Investing, its producers, sponsors, and host, Trey Henniger, shall not be liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based upon information or viewpoints presented on the DIY Investing Podcast.